Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Ryan Serhant, star of the Bravo TV network series Million Dollar Listing New York, who talks about what it takes to be a top producing broker and agent in New York's ultra-competitive marketplace, and the effects of the TV show on his professional career. Ryan Serhant is the SVP and Managing Director for Nest Seekers International. He made a rapid rise as one of the top producers at the firm, selling $102 million in real estate his first two years in the business. Ryan builds his growing reputation through hard work, client advocacy, and innovative thinking. Setting his expectations high, he quickly became one of the youngest sales managers in history, heading sales on-site at development projects throughout Manhattan for some of the city's biggest developers. Now to your host, Tim Harris. So Ryan, obviously as one of the nation's top producing agents, you're extremely busy, and, and as you take on more clients, I'm sure it's a huge challenge to balance your time. So how do you prioritize your time? That is a good question. I basically look at myself like the CEO, the CFO, and the COO of my own company because I am an independent contractor. I have a team that works for me that I manage, right, just like a CEO would. I do a significant amount of advertising, so there's budgets there that I'm managing like a CFO, and then I'm running around and getting new business and, you know, increasing my overall net sales like a COO. Uh, I personally break down my day um, uh, starting at 6 a.m. I'm in the office between about 6 and 6.30, and I am uh, then I go on appointments from about 9 until 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. Then I always have a dinner event with some client or someone, and then I'm back in the office to clean up my day. My to-do list is very important to me, and I make sure that my to-do list is synced with my two full-time assistants so that we're always on top of everything and always forgetting things. One thing I find is that in this business, there's so much information, there's so many clients, so easy to forget things, and then you're just losing you're losing money, you're losing income that way just based on memory. So I, uh, I always stay on top of email, and I answer email in real time, and I always make sure to categorize all email which is very, very important in this business so that you can always follow up with anyone who had ever seen one listing. You can always quickly see everything that you've shown, that one buyer that you've been showing to for a year, et cetera. Basically, I mean, as you said, you're, you're essentially the CEO of a growing company. And, you know, what's right. interesting is the, the amount of uh, revenue that you generate or at least the dollar volume that you generate is the size of some medium and small companies as one of New York City's top agents. And the other thing that is really fantastic about you is you're doing it the hard way. I mean, you're, you're focusing on resale primarily. I'm sure you'll list new construction as well. But your strength and what you're well known for is being a really top drawer listing agent. So I'm sort of curious, getting back to the, your litany of things that you have to focus on, that every top producing agent has to focus on, what specifically do you do? Or do you subscribe, <laughs> like I do, to uh, Birdshit Management where you kind of keep an eye on everything? What specifically are you only responsible for in your business? Well, I've always had the philosophy, and I tell this to my team and everyone that I work with, um, that 
should only do, and if I'm talking to someone else, that you should only do only the things that you can do, right? So that's why I have two assistants and I have a team of agents. I have a public relations person who's, you know, on retainer with me. We have construction people. We have, you know, we have everybody as, you know, tentacles to kind of like this octopus. So what I do very well that no one else can do, one, obviously, is Million Dollar Listing is the show. I can't have one of my team members replace me, right? I um, And I'm the one who pitches the most. So my main focus, and I'd say 70% of every day, is in getting new business. And that is the only way to survive in this business, and that is the only way to grow. The minute you look back at the day you just had and said, oh, my God, I, I did so much, and I'm so exhausted, but what did I really do? Because you were putting out fires all day, because you were helping make show sheets, because you had to help this person do with their loan, et cetera. That is a day that has been completely wasted because that is all work that someone else could have done. Because you're growing your business, you need to get your face out there and you need new business. With new business comes more business. That's, so that's awesome. That's what yeah. I do. Right. That's awesome. I mean, basically, I love what you just said. The bottom line is, is that you spend virtually every second of your day, 70% of your time, focusing on getting new business, but specific activities include, obviously, going on listing appointments, and then uh, not all over the country uh, operates like you guys do in the city, whereas the listing agents do a lot of their own personal showings versus in a lot of parts of the country, literally a buyer's agent in their, rep- in their buyer would show up to the listing with nobody there representing the property. But in your market, that doesn't work that way. So I'm sure especially in the more expensive stuff that doesn't work that way. So that's very, very interesting. So marketing-wise, you mentioned that obviously lead generation is the heart of any long-term successful business. So in your business, if you could only do one thing to generate leads, what would it be? Direct mail. Interesting. Tell us more about Without that. Without a doubt. People, uh, direct mail is, is very, very simple. No one sends mail anymore. Everyone thinks they're, you know, cold calls are the biggest waste of time. Um, and no one talks on the phone anymore. The fact that I'm talking to you on the phone right now is, you know, is interesting. Everyone texts and everyone sends email, but there's so much email that, you know, some random email from a broker who somehow got your email isn't going to be, you know, isn't going to be opened or at least not the first time, but direct mail, if it's written nicely in a very regular envelope, will always be opened. And if your message is very simple and very to the point and very professional, it has the greatest return rate that I've ever seen out of anything. We do, and I do I do advertising everywhere. I mean, we spend a significant amount of money with print advertising, magazine advertising, editorials, you know, all over the world because we do so much work with international buyers. Um, and for all the listings that we have, we have to do a significant amount of advertising. But for new business, the best thing that I've seen is direct mailing. That's very interesting. I know a lot of people are going to ask this, so I might as well ask it. When you say direct mail for new business, I assume you're mailing some sort of you know marketing piece to potential sellers. Is that correct? Correct. But it's not just potential sellers. You're You're mailing it to anyone who lives in an apartment. The great thing about real estate is you walk outside your door, Every single person you see is a client, right? And every time you're not going up to someone that you see in front of you and giving them your business card or introducing yourself is a failed opportunity. And, you know, where I see brokers fail the most is that they, they think it's a waste of time or they, they're too embarrassed or, you know, it's not the right moment or, you know, I'll call them next week. I'm going to put it on my to-do list. You should quit and you should get out of the business. Because we the call only them? way to survive. What? 
We call those agents. There's a little bit of a delay because you're on a cell phone. I apologize. But, yeah, we call those secret agents, right? They don't want anyone to know they're an agent, so they're a secret agent. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I mean, you have to be, you know, you have to be the mayor. But, you know, direct mail could be anything. It could be, you know, I have a buyer looking for a house just like yours. Um, if you're interested, you know, we can do something very quick. Or I just sold the house just next to you, right? We sold it for this. I don't know if you knew that. Um, or just informative. You know, there are there are only three other homes like yours that are currently on the market, and they're all above this price. Did you know that? Or, you know, a market report or just something interesting. And the more people see your name, your face, get mailers from you, they see how aggressive you are, the more calls you're going to get and the more exposure you're going to have and the better it's going to be. I mean, you look at – just look at the biggest firms in the world. I mean, look at Apple, right? Apple makes a ton of money. They sell a lot – of phones and computers and iPads, et cetera, but they still spend so much money on advertising. Why Why do they do that? Because they have to, because they have to consistently stay in the public eye. You can't just be a good resale broker and sell a bunch of homes and think that everyone's going to come and knock on your door. Same thing for me with the TV show. Everyone thinks, they're like, oh, well, you got that because of the TV show, or oh, well, the business is great because of the TV show. The TV show has not done shit for me. What has worked for me is knocking on people's doors, and then they say, oh, you're that guy. And then it works. But you have to take the initiative to go out there and use whatever kind of branding platform you have, whatever you have to offer, and force that down people's throats or else they don't care. I mean, you think about yourself when you go into a mall, how many people come up to you and say, hey, can I help you with something? No, 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 I'm okay. I'm just looking. Hey, can I help you with something? No, I'm just looking. What about that one guy who comes up to you and says, hey, man, those are really nice brown shoes. You look, look, at over, you know, look over here. I've got shoes that are just like that for 50% off. You want to take a look? And then that triggers something in your brain because that guy is bringing something specific to you and something that he's well-knowledged about. Same thing. Brokerage is the same. People just don't do it. A slight pattern interrupt, basically, where you get people to kind of break out of their normal patterns of saying no thank you and listen to what you have to say. It's it's great. I love it. I love it. What did you do prior to uh, selling real estate, Ryan? We didn't. We talked about that a little bit in the bio, but it's obvious that you have got a interesting background um, where does this drive come from with you? Uh, fear. <laughs> Just the fear of not succeeding and the fear of, of um, you know, not having money. I, I live in New York City. It's incredibly expensive to live here. Before I got into real estate, I was living in Koreatown. I was sharing a bathroom with people on my floor. You know, I lived in a box of an apartment. You could barely fit a bed in there, and I, um, you know, I had no money. So I got into real estate as a as a way to rent apartments in my neighborhood, and that's what I did for a little while. You know, seven hundred dollars a month, things like that, to you know, pay for food. Um, but before that, I came to the city to to act. You know, I did a soap opera for a short period of time, um, and I you know did a few random model things, but that was about it. So. Um as far as your daily schedule goes, I and mean, we were talking a lot about the fact you're always focused on new business. It sounds like you're laser focused every day. But how do you keep? Do you keep a daily schedule, and do you have daily minimum standards? By daily minimum standards, I mean do you have a list, maybe written down or otherwise, of three to five things you're going to do every day, hell or high water? I have like a hundred things that I need to do every day. And that's what I said. You know, I have a I have a, a sink, and that's the great thing about technology. I have to do list that is broken down by priority, right? So it's got callbacks, it's got current offers, it's got pending offers, current deals, current listings, all clients, 
things I need to do that are priority one, things I need to do that are priority two, things I need to do that are priority three, and then I have ongoing miscellaneous advertising, et cetera, things. And that syncs to my phone, to my computer, to wherever I am in the world so that I always know exactly what I'm working on and what needs to be done just because there's so much going on. My calendar obviously changes every single day, um, but I keep it as bookended as possible with uh, the morning, early morning from, you know, 6, 6.30 to about 9 a.m., cleaning email and preparing for my day. And then the night, which is like 9 p.m. to midnight, wrapping up the day, cleaning email and preparing for the next day so that I'm always on top of everything I need to do and I'm never just going to bed and saying I'll take care of it in the morning. It doesn't work that way. I'm, I'm curious, uh, listing appointments, since you do primarily focus on residential sellers, uh, you do a lot of in-person, face-to-face listing appointments, I would assume. Yep. Right, yep. so that's pretty mu- that pretty much probably occupies a lot of your evenings and, and whatnot. So have you, um, as far as the listing appointments, when you're talking with sellers, and this is an interesting question because I think a lot of agents, because we obviously have a nationwide audience, uh, a lot of agents would be curious if people selling multi-multi-million-dollar properties in New York City, whether those sellers' focus would be any different than, say, someone selling a normal house in, you know, Columbus, Ohio. So, what when you're talking with a seller, what are their primary objectives when they're choosing an agent to hire to, for the job of selling their home? It's it's always the same. It makes no difference whether you're selling something for a dollar or whether you're selling something for a hundred million dollars. It always comes down to personality. So the first thing you always have to do is just make a connection and talk about something that is not real estate. The best advice I could give to anyone, if they've got pictures of of skiing on the wall, right, talk about skiing. If they've got golf clubs, talk about playing golf. If they, you know, have 10 kids running around, talk about how much you love kids and how you come from a big family, whatever it takes. Make a personal connection because people always want to work with someone that they feel connected to and with someone that they like over someone who they think can get the job done and who's really good at what they do. That's why people hire, like, their friends and their, you know, ex-girlfriends and their cousins as their broker when they know the guy next door is the biggest broker in the world, but they just don't know that guy. Um, uh, So you always make that personal connection. And then sellers ask the same thing. You know, they want to know if you're going to give them personal attention. They want to know why you're giving them a lower price than what every other agent gave them. They want to know, you know, how quickly can you sell it because they, you know, they've got to pay off their loan and go and buy this next place that they've already found. It's the same stuff. Exactly. That's a, that's the point I, I was thinking. You, what I thought you'd say is really the bottom line is sellers are always, you know, how are you going to communicate with me while the property is for sale? Uh, what's the bottom line? How big's my check going to be? And, oh, yeah, what are you going to do to sell the property? And, of course, they won't do any of those things if they don't feel like they have kind of uh, some somewhat of a personal connection to you. I love that. So, Brian, have, having balance in life. Now, maybe, I mean, you're, how old are you? If, remind me. 29. 29. Okay, so balance in life is not something that maybe a 29-year-old successful, you know, verging, I'm sure, on being a multimillionaire, top broker in the nation person maybe thinks of, but having balance in life, is that an admirable goal for you at this point, or is it just a myth? It is a lofty goal. <laughs> okay, we can move on. <laughs> All right, looking back at the start of your real estate career, when you were a new agent, what would you have spent more time on and what would you have not done at all? In other words, in retrospect, what was like, oh, my God, that was a complete waste of time or was there anything like that? What comes to mind with that question? I would have spent more time on learning how to pitch 
and how to meet sellers because I, I didn't I got into the business and was just working with with renters, you know, finding renters on the internet, right, with open listings and finding renters, you know, on the street and I was just running around kind of living living check to check without building a career, um, which will pay dividends, right? So I would uh, I wish I had spent more time learning how to brand myself, learning how to um uh learning how to pitch, learning how to meet sellers and less time running around with, you know, every single client that popped up on my screen or called me that day, right? And uh, because then I just run around with my head cut off, and that's what I did for, like, my first year, and it was exhausting. So, Ryan, you said something uh, here. You said it a couple other times. You said it in our post-interview, and I, I think it's really worth drilling down on. The importance of being a listing agent. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, I I have to say, though, that anyone who says that they're just a seller's agent or just a listing agent is an idiot because it's there's the, you can't be the best broker in the world by just being a seller's agent or just being a listing agent. You want to work well, with the best yeah, buyers I, and the best sellers ever. Let me let me just interject something. Not to I apologize for interrupting you, but it is interesting. I 100% agree with you. You cannot be a great listing agent without knowing how to work with buyers because that's what keeps you frosty. That's what keeps you knowing the market. But it's interesting, Ryan, and you know this, that there's a lot of agents that consider themselves only buyer's agents, and they've never learned how to be listing agents, whereas you're realizing that the real power is in being a listing agent. Am I reading you correctly here? The real power in the industry is in being a listing agent. That's where you're being introduced to the brokerage community. That's where you're being introduced to the market because you're able to put your name and your brand on a product, right? Because real estate agents are just connectors of people unless you're a developer or unless you're an investor you're not you're not buying these houses and fixing them up and flipping them you're not you're not the one who's you know putting the capital up you're you're the broker you're just introducing a seller to a buyer or a buyer to a seller so you have to realize that the homes and in my case the apartments have nothing to do with this business and a lot of agents, you know, they think it has everything to do with real estate. We don't, real estate is so far away from what I do every day. It's, it blows my mind. We are in the, the people business. Um, and, you know, the emotions and psychology and the ability to negotiate are the tools that we use to make our income and be successful. Um, uh, so you have to be able to work with sellers as well as buyers as much as possible because they're all going to be good referral sources, you know, and that buyer is then going to have to sell that property and that seller is then going to need to buy a property. Perfectly said. So what's been your single biggest success so far in your real estate career? And you've had many. Mm, I, there was a listing on the Upper West Side that had been with, three of the top agents in the city, like the biggest agents ever, were all like twice my age. Um, and they had all been unable to sell it. And I was introduced to the seller through just you know a mutual kind of contact, and they didn't want to meet with me because they didn't know who I was. I wasn't one of the top brokers. I wasn't uh, you know anyone they'd ever heard of. I hadn't done a sale that was nearly this large, and they had it listed for $8.5 million at the time. Um, and I had to fight my way in to just meet with them because I knew they weren't selling it, and I had ideas that I thought would work. And I met with them. I convinced them to list with me. 
I did everything I could to to get that listing, and then uh, you know, and I told them that I would do things that no other broker had told them that they would do, and I said I would give them personal care, and I ended up selling it overseas to an investor because I convinced those sellers to say, listen, you have a beautiful big five-bedroom apartment. Here's what we're going to do. It hasn't sold yet, right? So I'm going to put a renter in here paying a very high rent because I've been watching the rental market, and it's on a massive upswing, and there's no inventory like your apartment in the rental market. So let's get someone to pay an unbelievable amount of money, and then I'm going to take this, and I'm going to market it heavily overseas, and I'm going to sell it to an investor because they're going to want that cash flow capital, and they're going to want to put their money in New York because the exchange rates are good, and it's a good place to put cash if you're a foreigner. And they said, that's crazy. You know, every other, you know, you're, who are you? Every other agent in the city that we talk to has all the international buyers. You don't have anyone. How old are you? You know, yada, 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 yada. And I did it. And we sold it for the full asking price. Yeah, it's funny how when you have a big transaction like that, all the t- all of a sudden all the things that people thought were important, your age and all the rest of it. But, you know, try, Ryan, talking with you, you know, we interview and we coach some of the nation's top producing agents. Unless you say your age, you, your your experience and your confidence uh, makes you sound like you've been in the business your entire life. So I'm sure that at this point your uh, the age issue is not something you have to overcome. Well, maybe I shouldn't assume that. Is it something you have to overcome? Do people care that you're 29? Sure. I mean, there are, you know, there's there's a very wealthy demographic in Manhattan of old money, you know, especially uptown, you know, the Fifth Avenue, the Park Avenue, the Madison. Avenue, the Central Park West, you know, a lot of that with, you know, brokers who were born in New York City, who grew up here, who have strong family connections, who, you know, uh, and that's that's a big thing with New York that I just don't have, that I that I've really had to work my ass off to have any connections, because I, I came here and I had no idea who anyone was. I never lived in New York before. My parents aren't here. I don't have any connections whatsoever. Um, and so, yeah, it is hard to go into, you know, a pitch for me, even though I can say, look, I've done all this, they can say, well, you haven't been in the business 30 years, and we're going to go with this guy because, um, you know, we babysat him when he was, a, you know, a baby in the apartment across the street, and, you know, I'll never be able to, to compete with that. But fortunately, I assume that that's a minority of the opportunities, and most of the market probably has a very similar demographic as you do, right? They're not born and raised there. A lot of them have made their own money in their first generation, and they're looking for a place in you know the city and it's a big deal for them and they probably instantly relate to you because of those same qualities so that's an attribute i would think maybe not being born there sometimes sometimes it is but a lot of times it's it's not especially on the very large properties in the areas that i just talked about you know i am i'm still you know i've only been doing this five years and i'm still uh, a new face to you know to new york city and new york city's massive you know the volume of deals that are done here is is crazy. You know, in the first nine months of this year, you know, uh, there's like $10 billion worth of real estate has, has transacted. It's unreal. It is, definitely. So what are the biggest misconceptions people have about being a top-producing agent? The biggest misconceptions that people have, I, uh, that that regular people or that brokers have? You know, any way you want to answer that. I Actually, I think for the sake of... Uh, uh, our listeners, since they're 99.9% agents, I would say brokers. What are the biggest misconceptions maybe that people would have about you or any top-producing agent? That uh, The biggest misconception is that the business just, just comes to you because of, of, like I said earlier, 
you know, that, oh, well, you're on the TV show, so people must be, you know, pounding on your door to get you to work with them. Or, you know, yeah, well, yeah, well, you've done so many transactions, so you must, you know, get a lot of referrals, and that's how you do it. And so, you know, younger agents or newer agents, you know, they get down or get depressed because they're just, they just don't have that kind of business, and that's, that's such a lie. I, I, I have to work. I work 20 hours a day, right? I sleep four hours a night. I work my ass off, and I knock on everyone else's doors. Yes, success begets success, but only because I bring it into my personal realm of reality. There is there's no business that is knocking on my door. I'd say maybe like three times has anyone called me or reached out to me to to work with them as a buyer or to sell their apartment because they saw me on a television show. All it helps is as a marketing tool. So that's the biggest conception is that the business just comes to you and you don't still have to work hard. I have the well, top brokers in New York City and I'm sure in the rest of the country will outwork any other broker in a heartbeat. And when you're on vacation, they're in the office. And when you're out to the movies, they're in the office. And when you're clubbing or doing whatever you're doing, they're out with buyers because they will outpace you every step of the way, and that's all it takes to do to be successful. That pretty much is the bottom line. I mean, really, it's it's all about focused hard work and, and things of that nature. So I, I, there's some other questions we have here. Uh, I'm sort of curious. The, you mentioned the TV show a few times, um, and and it, for those uh, who do not know uh, Ryan, of course, he's one of the stars from Millionaire Real Estate Agent uh, New York. And so that show has not. And by the way, Ryan, from all the other people I've interviewed on all the different you know TV shows, and we have some of the most personal coaching clients from HGTV and da 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 Selling LA. So they always say the same thing: that the bit that the show doesn't get them any business. So someone's going to ask, or someone's wondering, why do the show? What's the point of doing the show if it doesn't generate you any business? Because it generates exposure and it's advertising and it's an hour's worth of advertising and marketing every single week that I could never afford to pay for. So the same way I do, you know, ads in newspapers with, with my listings on them, et cetera, and barely get any calls off of those, it's the same thing. What it enables me to do is to have something to talk about and to have uh, and to have exposure as a broker, especially as a younger broker who, like I said, I've only been doing this five years, is to say, yeah, I'm um, you know I'm on this television show. They probably picked me for a reason, and um, you know I'm the greatest broker in the history of the world. And just having that confidence. But um, people aren't pounding on the door too, because you know million dollar listing shows the the full transaction, right? Uh, it's we shoot it like a year in advance. From when it airs, so you're, you're watching, shooting now, correct, Ryan? You guys are shooting now. Yeah, we're correct? shooting. Yeah, we're shooting now. But the first season, you know, we filmed that in 2010, and it didn't air until 2012. Wow. So there's there's a lot of time in between, you know, and TV takes forever. But it is it is uh, it helps me market myself as a broker. It doesn't help me market business. It makes total sense. And on a listing appointment, I'm sure you could explain to the seller that, listen, I have international exposure through this TV show. People come to my website, more exposure for your house once I have it listed, that sort of thing. So there, there's probably yeah. an indirect advantage, like you said. But it is interesting. I think all you agents out there who think, who, who are thinking that Ryan's business is spoon-fed to him because of the TV show, um, quite the opposite. So, you know, here's another funny question, and though, you know, we haven't had it today, but being on the show, it, it's not like – it's affording you the luxury of not having to sell real estate. You obviously aren't getting rich off doing the TV show. Your primary focus is on selling huh. real estate. Yeah, no, the show pays lunch money. I, everything I do is is selling real estate. 
and then doing the show and, you know, you see, and I hear it all the time from brokers that I work with or who, you know, bring a buyer on one of the listings we're filming and then they film it with me, you know, they have no idea how we were able to do this because we sell real estate and work seven days a week. And then we film this entire TV show on top of all of that. So it's a juggle of, of your time and your sanity to be able to do it all in the hopes that it, you know, pays off in the long run. Absolutely. So, Ryan, why you? And perhaps the most competitive real estate market in the, in the world. Uh, I imagine it is the most competitive real estate market in the world. Why have you succeeded at such a high level in really a very short period of time? Uh, I would say because, one, I have a work ethic that is clearly unbeatable, and I've seen that. Um, and I work with a lot of people who would just rather do less and make less because they feel their quality of life would be better that way, and that's fine. Um, and two, there's a quote from a very famous golfer that I like to use all the time, um, and it's about confidence, right? And it's something that's very, very important, especially when you're working in sales and working with clients and working with, you know, customers is, um, uh, is to play like you've got the money in your pocket. So I've always made sure every single moment of every day with any new person I'm meeting, any new buyer, any new broker, that I go into every situation like the deal is already done, and it changes your life. That's excellent, a mindset issue. Well, I can't think of any better way to end the interview. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the potential hundreds of thousands of listeners of today's interview? And, and Ryan, I definitely want you to include your contact information so that you can get some referrals from this so that you do get paid more than just lunch money for your time today. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyone can you know, email me. My email is, is simple, um, you know, just ryan at nestseekers.com. Um, you know, I have a website, you can find me on there, and I would just tell everyone just to continue working and keep kicking, and it is a roller coaster, um, but it's absolutely worth it because there's no other profession that affords us the ability to create your own destiny. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, Ryan, I want to sincerely thank you for be being today's superstar, and for everyone else, make sure you tune in to superstarinterviews.com. Obviously, we have updated interviews on a regular basis, so thank you. Uh, Ryan, today for being today's superstar, and thank you everyone for listening. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows, and until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio. Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>